So we're in the series Healthy Heart and Healthy Soul, um, and we're, in a, we're going through a book in our Life Together groups called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, I would say there's probably not much more that actually touches our emotions if we're going to talk about having a healthy heart or being emotionally healthy than grief. By definition, right, grief means that there's pain, and that's an emotion, And so we have to figure out how to deal with this. And so obviously the story of Job has been given to us in the scripture. And I'm just going to kind of use the, we're not going to obviously tear apart the whole book, but use the overarching theme to see how Job handled this and how did he walk through grief and loss. Because there are huge losses, you guys. Just just this week, a member in our Life Together group lost a really, really close friend my age, on the ski slopes, heart attack, passed away this Tuesday, leaving his teenage kids. Got a text this morning, about a half hour ago, from a guy at K2, whose dad is on the very verge, he's on his last, he might pass away while we're here today. And he's getting ready and prepared, how do I, how do I deal with this loss? Um, last night, right before we went to bed, my sister-in-law texted all of us, and, um, and let me know that my younger brother, Mike, was rushed to the hospital um, with extreme pain and inability to breathe. And so they found out that he has multiple blood clots in his lungs. And so uh, in incredible pain, screaming, I, I can't even imagine, I don't think I've ever seen my brother scream, in pain. And so now they're fearful, right? And they're even more fearful because... One of my nieces, one of his daughters, actually lost a teacher with this same issue in the hospital while she was in the hospital. So that tape's playing in their head. So that's where I'm at this morning. My family, my youngest sister, um, her husband has Alzheimer's. They have two teenage kids. They've already lost their dad, even though he's in the house. Because they can't talk to him, he... Can't do anything he used to do with them. This is our life. There are major losses. Divorce, finances, jobs, friendships. Two weeks ago, I took, Susie and I took my daughter, Ashlyn, to do college tours because we're going to lose them. Our, our kids, look at these guys. Man, they're old now. And we're going to have this empty nest, right? And so we lose them. We lose our physical abilities, our influence, all change, actually. All change, even good change, (laughs) involves loss. Right after Susie and I got married, she got depressed. That was exciting. So, (laughs) just, that's wonderful. But, uh, but she couldn't, she couldn't figure it out because, man, I, I love it. I love our new marriage. I love our new life. But she had lost her dad. She had changed her job. She had lost the West and moved to Detroit. She had lost so many things even in the midst of good stuff. You guys, we are losing things all the time. Even COVID, right? What what did COVID do? We lost so much of our normal life. And what was the big issue? Emotional health. As much as we were trying to take care of each other physically, thank you, by the way, to all of you who are wearing your masks, thank you. But we are also trying to figure out how how do we care for ourselves emotionally? Because we've lost so many things. And it's different for every person. That's what's interesting because 
the things you lose that actually hurt you, it's different for everybody because it depends on what you look to for your life. It depends on what's important to you. And what's important to you isn't the same thing that's important to somebody else. But here's what I know. Not one human being in this place, not any of you watching today, none of us are going to escape loss. And here's what's interesting is grief and loss are a quick path to being emotionally unhealthy. Because we many times turn to things to numb that pain. And it hurts too much. And so we go to our drug of choice, whether that's sexual stuff or alcohol or drugs or buying things. I mean, the next thing you know, you get into behaviors that are destructive because your emotions aren't healthy. Some people just deny it. They just stuff it. They're like, hey, that happened. Let's just move on. But the reality is it's under there. And so when you stuff things, now it just leaks out. And you don't know why, but you're just angry. You're quick to be angry. You're, you're bitter at other people. You're withdrawing. And, and, next, and, and other people are paying the price because you didn't deal with the emotional health. You get hard hearts and you get high walls because of grief. So the question today is this. Where do we turn when this happens? Not if it happens. When it happens. You can turn away from God and have emotionally unhealthy spirituality, or you can turn to God, and you can actually experience a deeper love than was possible before. And that's what, in in Pete Scazzaro's book, that's what he says. He goes, grief and loss is actually a chance for our hearts to enlarge, our souls to enlarge, and we can actually become better lovers of him and others. So in Job chapter 1, where did Job turn in the midst of this? It says that this Job got up, he tore his robe, he shaved his head. Now, now, I don't know how many of you have ever torn your robe or shaved your head. But what do we do? We have on our culture, we wear black when there's grief. There's just, but that was what they did in their culture. And then he fell to the ground in worship. In times of loss, you guys, here's what I want you to remember today. In times of loss, turn to God. That's what Job did. He worshiped in the midst of of his loss. So I'm taking you to three things that can happen. We need to turn, and these are your applications for today, to turn to God in truth, to turn to God in trust, and to turn to God for transformation. All right, let's look at the first one. Turn to God in truth. You know what, one tendency that, where it can be unhealthy as, as a religious person, as a follower of Jesus, is sometimes our tendency as Christians toward emotionally unhealthy spirituality is because we feel like we're not supposed to feel sad. We, you know, we rejoice in the Lord always, <laughs> right? And so if you're actually feeling sad or if you're frustrated or angry or depressed, you guys know the stages, right, of grief? The stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, and I love when I watched Pete's Cazaro stuff over the summer when I was just going through this for myself. He said, you know, where did we, where did we learn this from? Because he said, has anybody read the Psalms lately? So I, I'm taking prayer walks in the morning. And I, my, the new thing I've started this last year was I listen to a Psalm uh, before I start my prayer uh, every day. Oh my goodness, you guys. Have you read the Psalms lately? Two-thirds of them are what's called Laments. Two-thirds of them are David and the other psalmists crying 
out. And you guys, and this was there for all of us who grew up in church. This was their hymnal. This was what they sang. This would be the worship songs. Two-thirds of them were being honest about their pain that they were in. So the healthiest thing that you can do, what the Bible actually tells us to do when you're experiencing grief and loss to be, for your spirituality is be honest with God. And the, and the Bible shows us, that's what, and that's what Job does. Look at it, in Job chapter 3, verse 1. After this, Job opened his mouth and he cursed the day of his birth. Later in chapter 3, verse 26, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Chapter 6, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the sea. See, Job is just being honest. And I want to tell you a couple things with this, how, how to turn to God in times of loss and truth. The first one is you got to turn to God and embrace the truth of the pain. In, a, in, the, in, the, in the Ecclesiastes, right, it says there is a time for everything. There is a time to grieve. And so, and, I, and what was interesting, um, when I was going through this book just this summer, it was right after I got done with this chapter where I experienced some major loss relationally for me. There was friendship loss. There was distance that happened. There were three different things that happened for me. And, and for me, that is the stuff that's the most painful. I don't know what your stuff is, but I'm an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs. It's about relationship. And when relationship isn't working, it's like somebody unplugs me from the wall. And after reading this and studying this in this book, I realized normally, what would I do? I would. I, I'm so tempted in my flesh just to go to the things that feel good. Mine's sports. <laughs> and I can just get lost in sports and escape, you know. But this time after reading this, I said, no, I'm actually going to embrace the pain. I'm going to let myself feel it. And man, that's, that was new for me. Just embrace the truth of it. Don't stuff it. Don't run from it. Don't medicate it. Let yourself feel it. And you'll see why in the third point. But here's the other thing. You also have to turn to God and share the truth of your heart. Don't just embrace the truth of your pain. You need to. But you also have to share the truth of your heart. In Job chapter 13, 15, he says, I will surely defend my ways to his face. Whoa! Whoa! Job's like, God, you and I are going to have a conversation. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, God, exactly what is going on inside of here. And again, the Psalms are so good at this. C.S. Lewis, who many of us revere, he said, bring to God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Did you guys hear that? Bring to God what is in you, not what ought to be in you. And most of the time, again, we think, well, I want God's favor and I want his blessing, so I better pull up the bootstraps and be good in front of him. And God's like, don't, don't play that game with me. I actually know who you are. In my first job that I'd only been in for 10 days as a 22-year-old in Ohio, and I get the call from my brother that says my mom, who's the one person I knew loved me, they found cancer all ravaged through her whole body. And they were giving her two months to two years to live. And I remember I got the call while I was at the church. And I walked back to my apartment. And as soon as I closed the door, I just screamed, you can't take my mom. And I just yelled at him. Because that's what was going on in here. 
And we need to do that, you guys. That's what the scriptures show us. This is the person that God wants to touch. He doesn't want to touch the person who's got, he wants to touch the one that actually is feeling those things. I've shared this publicly, I believe, before. Many of you have never heard this, but when we were getting ready to move from our 21 first location to this location, right before that, we had a guy on our staff, Lad Chapman. And Lad was like one of our key guys. He was the one heading up all the, pretty much like doing Derek Murphy's job, right? Overseeing all of our connection, one of our teachers. And right before we're going to get ready to make this major transition, he feels called by God to go back and to help his dad with his business. He asked us all to pray. We fasted. We prayed with him. And then he just felt, Dave, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. And man, I just, I thought, I knew that that, I I knew that wasn't God's will. (laughs) And I remember, man, that night I went to bed and I couldn't sleep. I hopped in my car and I just drove around this valley hopped on the freeway, and I just went all over the place, and I'm just, I'm just complaining, I'm complaining. I went to our old location, and I walked into the white box, and this is what I did. <laughs> it's embarrassing, well, but it's true. I walked in there, and I was so mad, and there were these tables set. I literally was picking up tables and throwing them, because that's what Jesus did when he was in the temple, right? <laughs> so I thought I'd be like him. But I'm serious, I just, I was so overcome with, I just was throwing stuff. And I kept going around and then finally I went to the back of the room and I just sat down. And I said, God, I don't trust you. And as soon as I said that, for the first time, this is the weirdest thing, I had peace. Literally, I sat there, and I'm like, all of a sudden, all my angst, all my fear, all my worry, it just turned into peace. I literally sat there for maybe like two or three more minutes, and I go, all right, I'm good. And I got up, and I went home, and I went to bed. You know what happened when I screamed at him? You can't take my mom! He was right there. He was right there. And when I gave him the grief and my pain and my fear and my worry and my anxiety and my sadness, when I gave it to him, the truth that was in me, I turned to God and said the truth and then he met me with grace. In both cases, grace came and it it empowered me to be able to trust. Listen to that. Truth receives grace and grace empowers you. To trust. If you turn to God with your fear, then you can run into Him who gives you courage. If you turn to God with your sadness, then He can actually give you His comfort. If you turn with your anger, you can run into His gentleness. If you turn to Him with your guilt and shame, because some of what you guys have lost is because of decisions you've made and you're so guilty and you've lost respect, you've lost relationship because of something you've done. And if you will come to him with your guilt and your shame, you will run into his forgiveness. Your weakness can run into his strength. Your worry can run into his peace. And your despair can run into his hope. Those are who he is. And that's why when loss happens, we turn to God with our truth and then he gives us his grace. In times of loss, turn to God. 
Here's the second one. And turn to God in trust, which is kind of flows right out of this. Because here's what I've discovered. His grace gets you there. I couldn't get myself there. I couldn't get there with my mom. I couldn't get there with Lad. I couldn't get there with so many different things in my life. that I can't do it. I need him. But he gives me the ability to trust him when I'm honest with him. In Job 13, 15, he said this, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. So how did Job get to a place of trust? Well, for 37 chapters, as we saw in here, God's silent. And then eventually he speaks in chapter 38, and he has some questions for Job. I, I can't, it's like two or three chapters worth. Let me just read the beginning, and you'll see how God deals with us. Here's what he says. The Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. Don't you love that? <laughs> hey, Job, you want to talk? <laughs> Brace yourself as a man. Here we go. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Job, where were you? And Job responds in chapter 42 by saying, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You know what Job was saying? He's saying, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand. But I know who you are. I don't know what you're doing. But I know who you are. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Incredible verse says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. I mean, I loved in that video, you guys, when, it, when it, the, the picture it showed, right? Like, what was God saying? Hey, Job. And then they just showed all these lines coming out through all the universe. It's like, God understands all things of all times. He knows exactly what's going on in every one of you, of every single person, and how every little thing happens that affects somebody else that goes down the road for all of eternity. God's the only one who understands all that. And then, if we understand that, there's things that belong to our Lord. They're not us. We couldn't, we couldn't comprehend that in our little pea brains if we tried. But the things revealed belong to us, and what's revealed is who God is. That he is love. We talked about this last week. Because really, the wall that we talked about last week, you guys, grief and loss is just one specific wall that we all hit. The secret things belong to him. But the revealed things are he is love, he is good, he is righteous, he's almighty, and he's all-knowing. I've shared this before, but it was so important to me that I had to go to, to God with my mom and go, okay, God, you love her and you can heal her. Hello, do it. If you love her and you have the power to do it, which I believe, I believe you love her, I believe you can heal her, then do it. 
But the third thing I had to remember was, but you can see everything, God. You understand everything. You're the only one who knows what would happen if my mom dies right now at age 54. And you're the only one who knows what would happen if she lived to be 84. And I'm going to trust you that when I'm in heaven with you for eternity, the best thing's going to happen. You guys, we have to turn to God. In times of loss, turn to God in trust because of who he is. And here's the last one. In times of loss, turn to God to be transformed. In Job 13, 15, he said, when he said, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. It's interesting, the word hope actually means to wait. And in, in Scazzaro's book, for those of you guys who are going through the study with us, you're going to see he's going to unpack this even more for us. But see, loss can actually lead to transformation if you turn to God and not to all these other things. If you turn to it in truth and embrace your emotions and share your truth with him and humble yourself and trust that he's God and his nature. You know, one of the major themes in all of scripture is what? We're going to celebrate it in just a few weeks. Death actually leads to resurrection. You, you can't even have resurrection unless something dies. And it's a spiritual principle that God has just put into the universe. In John 12, 24, right before Jesus was going to go to the cross, he said this, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. See, the loss of a seed down into the ground covered over with dirt is actually the beginning of life. And man, I don't know if you guys, when you bought your material to do this, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, this is the little devotional day by day. And I'm going to read you, you're, you guys will read this this week if you're, if you're going with us, but I have to read you, all of us, this, on, this on, uh, entree? Am I hungry? No. Um, <laughs> but this, this the entry <laughs> um, from Parker Palmer. Listen to this. Autumn is a season of great beauty, but it is also a season of decline. The days grow shorter, the light is suffused, and summer's abundance decays toward winter's death. In my own experience of autumn, I, have rare, I am rarely aware that seeds are being planted. But as I explore autumn's paradox of dying and seeding, I feel the power of metaphor. In the autumnal events of my own experience, I am easily fixated on surface appearances, on the decline of meaning, the decay of relationships, the death of a work. And yet, it, and yet, if I look more deeply, I may see the myriad of possibilities being planted to bear fruit in some season yet to come. In retrospect, I can see in my own life what I could not see at the time, how the job I lost helped me find work I needed to do, how the road closed sign turned me toward terrain I needed to travel, how losses that felt irredeemable forced me to discern meanings I needed to know. On the surface, it seemed that life was lessening, but silently and lavishly, the seeds of new life were always being sown. Guys, this is the hope that we have. 
of being transformed. And that's why Job said, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. What he's saying is, yet I will wait on him. I'm gonna turn to God in the times of loss and I'm gonna wait so that the seed that's planted in the loss will grow and transform me. I have three things that I wanna just share with you really quickly. (laughs) I unpacked more last week. I think I'm gonna do the same thing today. I'll unpack these more for you, but listen to these. A transformed, you can be transformed into a person with hope and endless love. When there's grief and loss, it's because you lose something you love. Romans 5, 3 through 5, Paul says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame or disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. One of the craziest things, you guys, is when you turn to God in the midst of loss, you turn to the one who is love. And he pours, and Paul says, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of loss, God actually, he didn't leave it, it actually led to hope, because in the midst of it, God poured his love into my heart. And his love produces a hope that won't disappoint you. You guys, it's the only love that can never be lost. And the hole that any loss leaves can be filled with the love of God. And he's better than anything. Now, I'll just be totally honest with you. Susan and I were talking about this, and I go, if I lose you, I don't even have any idea. I can't even imagine. And yet somehow God's better than her. I don't know how, but... Okay, you're laughing louder than anybody, honey. But he is. His love is greater than anything else on this planet. And when the hole comes because you lose something, if you turn to God, he fills the hole with himself. And you get transformed to a hope in God's love. And that's better. The second thing is we get transformed into a person with hope in eternal glory. This was the verse that I learned that, that I was reading the day my, God, my mom got cancer. I was reading this. 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. There we go. That's a healthy heart and a healthy soul. You don't lose it. Though outwardly we are wasting away, which means decaying like a seed, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And by the way, remember last week when I, told, when I shared with you Paul's story? We are under so much trouble, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life. Remember that? Same book, a few chapters later, he calls those light and momentary. Because the eternal glory far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You guys, you know what happens when you lose something? It reminds us to put our hope in heaven. We're all, that's where we're all going. And it's the thing that's the only thing that we know is ultimately going to come. Easter, you guys, in a few weeks, the resurrection, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which allows us to celebrate our own 
because we know that's what's going to happen to us. The loss of temporary things transforms us into people who live for eternal things. And that's a good thing. And then the last one is we get transformed into a person with hope for others. In this very chapter, 2 Corinthians, with all this pain that Paul's talking about, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Can I just say, we really do need people, you guys, when we're grieving. When we're grieving, we need people. The problem is, to, the struggle is to find someone who will actually comfort you. Right? That, Job's friends were not this. I, I, one of the hardest things for me is, is people, will, they, they, they always want to fix you. And everybody has answers for God's mysteries. Instead, we need to be people who've been broken. I love what Henry Wowen said. Henry Wowen. Henry Nowen said. He wrote a book called The Wounded Healer. Because it's only the people who, as the scripture said, who have been comforted by God who actually know how to comfort. You know, I, for a long time, I, I just didn't like dogs, like at all. I never wanted one. My kids weren't getting one. <laughs> and then finally, through God messing with me and helping me to see how selfish we were, I, we got a dog. And I remember before, people would lose their dog and I'd be like, get over it. Seriously, I'm like, come on. And when we lost Daisy, holy crow. I mean, all of us, we just wept. And you know what that means? Now, when you lose your dog, I know. I know. I couldn't help people when they lost their loved ones because I didn't, I didn't get it until I lost my mom. And now I know. So one of the things that it transforms us into, you guys, grief and losses, it helps us to love God more because we receive his love in the midst of those holes and we find out that he's better than we ever knew and we trust him more than other things. We live for eternal things instead of earthly things. We live for him instead of stuff and it helps us love people more. It actually transforms us because we've been comforted by God in the midst of loss and now we can do that for others. So band, come on up and let's close this out. When we grieve well, we become lovers of God and lovers of people. Emotionally healthy spirituality, having a healthy heart and a healthy soul, can happen in times of loss if we turn to God. Not to things. So turn to him in your truth. Some of you need to do that right now. You need to do it today. You just got to be honest with God and embrace the truth of your pain and then share the truth of your heart. And then receive his grace, you guys. Receive the grace to turn to him and trust. And then turn to him with hope. To, to wait. <laughs> okay. If you turn to him and just quiet trust and allow him, wait on him to transform you. So as we get ready to worship in this last song, I'm going to say at this, Job got up and he tore his robe and he shaved his head and then he fell to the ground in worship and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. This is an incredible song.
I don't know if you know it. I didn't know it until this week. And so I just want to encourage you. Some of you just need to listen to it. You just need to listen and you need to turn to God in these next five minutes while this song's going on. Turn to him with your truth. If right now, I just thought, man, my goodness, if my brother's in the hospital on morphine right now because he's in so much pain and my family's fearful of maybe losing their dad, and if, if Steve's dad is going to pass away probably today and somebody else's friend died of a heart attack at 56, I, I, I don't know. My guess is maybe some of you are, have lost stuff too, but maybe it's not the big stuff. Maybe it's just relationships aren't working, whatever it is. Turn to God right now during this song in truth to him. Tell him how you feel. Embrace the pain and give it to him. And then let him turn you into somebody. Give the grace, receive the grace to be able to trust him. Your God wants to comfort you. He wants to weep with you and be everything you need him to be. And turn your grief into a healthy heart and a healthy soul, all right? So you can just sit and soak this in you can sing if you want. You can stand it. Do whatever you need to, all right, to engage with him.